0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Patience, as they say, is indeed a virtue. I'm sure you've all heard that famous prayer for patience, right? Lord, grant me patience, but hurry. It goes to show just how impatient we can be sometimes, and our world in general lacks the ability to be Patient. Now, if you really want to see an example in real life of, of what it looks like to have impatient people, well then just pay a visit to your local store. Maybe someplace like Costco. You'll see others trying to beat people to get the best parking spot, or, or people racing for those all-important samples. People attempting to be the first in line, or people with scowls on their faces, upset that the checkout line is going too slow. And that's just (laughs) me.
1: We are often, and in
0: so many ways, not patient people. But that's why James is addressing this in his letter today. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Now it's important there that he mentions that we are patient for the coming of the Lord because it gives us a clue as to what patience is all about. We as Christians are called to be patient until a specific day, until the day when Jesus returns again in glory to restore all creation and to restore us specifically, raising us from the dead, our beginning of eternal life with him in both body and soul, living in the new heavens and the new earth. And so we as Christians are looking forward to that day when all things will be made right, when all tears will be wiped away, when sin and death will be no more. We know what's coming. The Lord has promised it to us. It's a certainty. But it's just not here yet. And so we wait. We are called upon to faithfully and patiently wait. But knowing that that day is coming is the key to patience. We aren't just patient because it's the Christian thing to do. We are patient because we have been given a sure and certain promise for our future. And that future hope that we have then works its way backward into our lives and it shapes and directs our present reality. God gives us the gift of patience now, which is the ability to look through our challenges, to look through our difficulties, to even look through our sufferings, knowing full well that we are looking forward to something that is far greater than any of those things. And that's what enables us to be patient right now. James uses the example of a farmer. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Farmers are some of the hardest working people you'll ever meet, but they are also some of the most patient people. Think about it. Farmers will work for days and weeks and even months without seeing a single reward for their labor. Pastor Tom told me today after the message that farmers always have one eye on the harvest and they have to. And that's what keeps them going. They know what's coming in the future, and knowing what's coming in the future then guides them what they do day in and day out, even when they may not see the fruit of their labor. Their future hope shapes and directs their present reality. But there's another aspect of a farmer's patience that we need to pay attention to today, and that is that as hard as a farmer works... A farmer is still completely dependent upon God for everything. A farmer waits, James says, until it receives the early and the late rains. The the early rains, which help the crops mature or gets the ground ready for even planting. And the late rains, which prepares the crops for harvesting. Now, without either of those, the farming won't be successful. But notice, the farmer isn't the one who controls the weather And nor does he even control the crops growing. God does those things. He, the farmer, is completely dependent upon God to provide for all of his needs. And so when talking about a farmer's patience, we're also talking about a farmer's faith. Referring to a complete trust in God to provide. So we apply this to us. We see, and what it shows us, is that true and faithful patience is made up of two things, like we've talked about. First, it's receiving the sure and certain promise from God for the future, which then shapes and directs our present reality. And secondly, it's recognizing that we are completely dependent upon God for everything we need. That he is in control and therefore we put our faith and trust in him. Now all of this is easier said than done, of course. And a world that does not know God cannot do either of those two things. It does not have a future hope and it does not put its trust in God. And so all of this becomes much more serious than just simply getting frustrated at a supermarket. Consider all those in this world who do not know God, those who do not have that future hope and and how much pressure that puts on them to make everything as good and as perfect as it possibly can be right now. Because right now is all that they have. And add to that a lack of faith, a lack of dependence upon God for everything they need and it means that they can only rely and depend on themselves. And the pressure of thinking that life is somehow dependent upon us, well, that's like a farmer who thinks that he is the one who makes it rain, or he is the one who makes the crops grow. It's a pressure that none of us in the end can actually bear because we don't control those things. It's humorous to point out the examples of everyday lack of patience, But when we understand that true and godly patience is actually a matter of faith, well, then a world that doesn't have patience is actually quite a serious thing. Now, James is writing to Christians in his letter, Christians who are suffering. In this life, they are being mistreated. They are being oppressed. Some of them are even dying for their faith. And that's why James brings up the examples of, of the prophets of the Old Testament as well as the example of Job. James is using these as examples of people who, in this life, truly suffered. But they were also people who endured, who patiently endured. And it wasn't because of themselves. In fact, at various times, the prophets of the Old Testament, as well as Job, they broke down. They questioned what God was doing. But you see, they are being given examples. They are being given as examples of patience because of the faith that God gave to them. The the hope for their future that God provided to them. They were given the promise of a Messiah, the one who was coming to save them. And so James is also addressing us today, because we also suffer in this life. Sin continues to take its toll on us. We suffer conflict and pain. We suffer relationships that are broken in sin. We suffer other people's selfishness and demands and sins against us, and we inflict the same upon others. We suffer diagnoses and diseases and even death. All this sin and evil in this world, what it means is that to live in this world is to suffer. And when we suffer, we are tempted to lose patience. We are tempted to lose sight of the fact that God is in control. And what's more, that he has given us a future hope. We shouldn't lose sight of that, but we so often do. Suffering distracts us, and it, and it causes us to take our eyes off of him and off of our future hope. And instead, we become fixated on whatever is happening in the present. And when we do that, when we take our eyes off of him and, and become fixated on the present, we become more and more impatient. That's the root cause of impatience in this world. Any time that we are focused on the present, fixated on the present at the expense of the future. And so we want things fixed now. Instead of waiting for the, the perfect healing and restoration that we know is coming when Christ returns. And so we may grumble. We may grumble against God. We may grumble against other people. We don't have time to wait, so we go seeking after any remedy, any fix, anything that promises us immediate relief from suffering, whether it's media or medicine or anything else that just takes the edge off just a little bit. Whatever physical or emotional relief that can put a temporary bandage on suffering But the longer that we stay focused on the present at the expense of the future, the longer we try to fix things ourselves, the more we risk losing sight of the promises that God has made to us. And the more we risk growing impatient. But like the prophets and like Job, we also have been given a promise of a Messiah, a Messiah who has come to save us. And a Messiah who also promises to come again for us. Jesus came the first time, scripture says, when the time was right. God in his patience sent his only son, Jesus Christ, in the fullness of time. And when Jesus came, he demonstrated by his living, suffering, and dying the perfect patience of God.
1: We've heard in our gospel
0: readings the past few weeks, Jesus getting his disciples ready for what was going to happen when they were going to reach Jerusalem. Jesus was preparing them for what would happen when he went to the cross. And Jesus was going to the cross to offer himself there for all the times that we fail to be patient with him, all the times we have grumbled against Him, all the times that we didn't act the way that we ought to, because we lost our patience. And we tried to take things into our own hands. But Jesus took all of these sins, and he took them to the cross, and there he suffered for them, and there he died for them. Jesus told his disciples to be patient until the third day. The day when he would rise again to show that he has victory over all of our sins. The day that assures us that the future we are waiting for is not a future of despair and judgment. It's not a future of suffering and eternal death. No, it's a future that is filled with life and forgiveness and healing and resurrection. It's a certain future that on account of Jesus' victory over sin and death, we know that even if we do suffer and die for this temporary time, that Jesus is coming back. And when he does, those things will be no more. And it will be the day when we will see the fulfillment of all of God's promises to us, the day that we are faithfully and patiently waiting for. This hope that we have, this certain future, it now works backwards into our lives and affects our present reality. It affects how we live and think and believe today. We do not need to despair in the midst of hardship and suffering. We do not need to grow impatient. Like the farmer who knows that all things are in God's hands, we simply wait, knowing that our labor is not in vain. That what was shown by the first fruits of Christ's resurrection will be our harvest as well that we will have perfect and resurrected bodies that will never die again. So we always live with that perspective in mind, a perspective that we wouldn't have come up with on ourselves. This is a gift given to us by God. And this perspective, it changes how we view everything today. If you were able to listen to the Lutheran Hour last Sunday, you heard a story that was originally told by Robert Fulgham. And it's a story that takes place in France a long time ago, where one of the great medieval cathedrals were built, and it still stands today. But back then, it was a building project that took over a hundred years to complete. And, And so long ago, as the story goes, a traveler visited that city to see the great cathedral while it was still under construction. And arriving at the end of the day, the traveler went to the construction site just as the workmen were getting ready to go home. And so he asked one man who was covered with dust what he did there. The man said he was a stonemason. He spent his days carving rocks.
1: Another man,
0: when asked, said that he was a glassblower. He spent his days making slabs of colored glass. And still another said that he was a blacksmith. He spent his days pounding iron. So this traveler then walks deeper into the incomplete cathedral, and he saw an older woman there, armed only with a broom, and she was sweeping up the scraps from the day's work. And so he asked her, What are you doing? Well, the woman paused, leaned on her broom, looked up at the project that she knew she wouldn't live to see completed. And she said, Me, I'm building a cathedral to the glory of the Almighty God. You see, that woman is an example of what it means to live with godly patience, patience that God gives us because of the certain promises He has made to us, the promise for our future. We know what our future will be. We know the end result of this project because we know what Jesus did for us in his life, death, and resurrection. And because of Jesus, we are now able to see the labor and the toil and even the suffering of this present day in light of the glory of God that we will see with our own eyes one day. That God is guiding us to the day when he will raise up his church, the body of Christ, into an impressive work of recreation and restoration. Not because of us, but because of Jesus. And since we have been given that hope, we are now able to faithfully and patiently wait until the coming of the Lord. In Jesus' name.